Section 10 of Lost Diaries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Lost Diaries by Maurice Baring. From the Diary of Harriet Shelley. George Street, Edinburgh, September 6, 1811. Mr. Hogg arrived this morning. He seemed at first to be quite oblivious of the fact that he was in the city of the unfortunate Queen Mary. Bish and I conducted him to the Palace of Holyrood immediately, where we inspected the instructive and elegant series of portraits of the Scottish kings. I was much affected by the sight of the unfortunate Queen's bedroom. Mr. Hogg has not been well grounded in history, and he was on more than one occasion inaccurate. He had never heard of Fergus the Just, Bish was much moved and enchanted by the objects of interest. He ran through the rooms at a great pace, now and then pointing back at an object of interest and exclaiming, That is good. I regretted the absence of Eliza, but perhaps it is as well that she was not with us on this occasion. She would not have permitted me to contemplate the tragic stain of Rizzio's wound, for fear of the effect the sight might have on my nerves. Mr. Hogg was strangely insensible to the sorrowful associations of the spot. After we had inspected the rooms and the relics, Bish with intent eye with renewed awe, and Mr. Hogg with a somewhat inopportune levity, Bish was obliged to go home and write letters, and so I suggested that Mr. Hogg should conduct me to Arthur's seat, in order to enjoy the sublime prospect which that eminence commands." So sublime, so grand, so inspiring was the view that even Mr. Hogg was impressed. As for myself, words fail to express the manifold and conflicting emotions which were stirred in my breast. The weather was fine, clear, and tranquil, but alas, no sooner had we started on our descent than the wind began to blow with great violence. It was, of course, impossible for me, in such circumstances, to risk the impropriety which might be occasioned, had the wind, as was only too probable, so disturbed my dress as to reveal to my companion the indelicate spectacle of my decently concealed ankles. So I seated myself on a rock, resolving to wait until the violence of the wind should subside. Mr. Hogg, who laid unnecessary stress on the fact that he had not dined on either of the preceding days, and being deficient in a proper sense of delicacy and seemliness, vowed he would desert me and proceed home by himself. To my dismay, he began to carry his threat into execution, and it was with the utmost difficulty that I succeeded in accomplishing the descent without affording him any unseemly exhibition. Sunday. The manner in which the Sabbath is observed in the city is repellent to my principles. Bish and Mr. Hogg have gone to the kirk. I pleaded the wearisome performance would be certain, in my case, to bring on a headache, and so I remained at home. They returned much exhausted by the wrestlings of an eminent divine with Satan. I am engaged in translating Madame Cotin's immortal Claire d'Albe into English prose. This occupies my morning. Bish is translating a treatise of Buffon, with which we were both of us charmed in the evenings I read out Telemachus. I regret to say that Bish fell asleep while I was but halfway through an instructive discourse 
of Idomeneus, relating to the wise laws of Crete. Mr. Hogg is an attentive listener, and it is a pleasure to read to him. York, October 10, 1811. Traveled by post chaise from Darlington. Read Anna St. Ives by Holcroft in the chaise throughout the journey. Bish was restless and suggested my skipping certain portions of the narrative. I, of course, declined, knowing that it was the intention of the authoress that her work should be read without omissions. Bish is obliged to go to London. In the evenings I read out Dr. Robertson's historical works to Mr. Hogg. We are on the eve of a great event. My dear sister Eliza has consented to visit us and is about to arrive. What a privilege for Mr. Hogg! What a source of pleasure for Bish! I ardently regret that he should not be present to welcome her. October 25th. Eliza has arrived. I am deeply touched by her kindness in coming and overcome when I think what a joyful surprise her presence will be for Bish and how it will illuminate our household. October 26th. Bish arrived from London. Eliza spent the day brushing her hair. In the evening I suggested reading aloud from Holcroft. But Eliza, such as her kind-heartedness, feared that it might upset my nerves. She felt certain, too, that her esteemed friend, Miss Warren, whom she regards as a pattern and model in all things, would not approve of Holcroft. October 26th. Eliza is certain that Miss Warren would find nothing to admire in Yorkminster. Changed our lodgings. Eliza thinks that the pure mountain air of the lakes would be salutary to my nerves. Bish and Mr. Hogg miss our evening readings. I sometimes, however, continue to read to them in an undertone when Eliza is brushing her hair, but the pleasure is marred by the trepidation I am in lest I should disturb her. Eliza objects to the name Bish. She is certain Miss Warren could not endure such a name, so in future my husband shall be called Percy. It is certainly prettier and more romantic. Keswick, November 16th. We have made the acquaintance of the Southies. Mr. Southie is a great reader and devotes two hours daily to the study of the Portuguese and Spanish languages. Mrs. Southie is an adept at bookbinding and binds her husband's books with elegance and neatness. Bish, I mean Percy, has alas three times nearly risked offending the poet, the first time by inadvertently taking a book down from one of his bookshelves the second time by falling asleep when Mr. Southey, after having locked him into his study, was reading aloud to him his epic, The Curse of Kahama, and the third time by sharply criticizing his action in eating tea cakes, and by subsequently devouring a whole plate of them himself. Bish, I mean Percy, has implored me to beg Mrs. Southey to instruct me in the art of making tea cakes. I wish Eliza could begin to realize the existence of Bish, I mean Percy. She seems altogether unaware of his presence in the house. But then Eliza is so much occupied in considering what will be best for me that she has no time to bestow any attention to anyone else. Percy is contemplating the composition of a poem which is to be called Queen Mab. Eliza said that Miss Warren had a horror of Queen Mab. Bish explained to her that his poem was to be didactic, and philosophical and had nothing to do with fairies that said eliza makes it worse bish ran out of the room with shrill exclamation of impatience hush hush said eliza 
Think of poor Harriet's nerves. November 20th. Bish confessed to me that he could see neither beauty nor charm in Eliza. This is curious since her black hair has always been an object of universal admiration. I am afraid that Eliza does not understand him. I need hardly say what a disappointment this is to me. Bish and I were thinking of writing a novel in collaboration, but Eliza said that Miss Warren considered that it was not seemly for a woman to dabble in fiction. Bish, I mean Percy, in writing I find it difficult to accustom myself to the new name, but I am fortunately successful in the presence of Eliza in always saying Percy. Percy and I are thinking of studying Hebrew. I have not yet told Eliza of this project. She is opposed to my reading Latin authors in their original tongue. November 30th. We were walking this afternoon in the neighborhood of the lake. Percy, Eliza, and myself. Percy was talking of Plato's Republic when Eliza interrupted him by recalling to his mind something which she had indeed often mentioned before, namely, Miss Warren's positive dislike of all the Greek authors, and especially Plato. Scarcely had she uttered these words when we looked round and found that Bish had vanished in silence like a ghost in the trees. We called and searched for him in vain. But when we returned to the house, we found him awaiting us buried in a book. The incident greatly displeased Eliza, and she insisted upon my taking to my bed as soon as we got home, although I confess I felt no suspicion of any ailment, nor would she hear of my reading either aloud or to myself. She sat by my bedside brushing her hair. She grieved me by saying that she could not conceive what Miss Warren would think of Bish. I mean Percy. End of section 10